Well, hey there, my friends, and welcome into the Living in Hope podcast, where we invite people to share their stories and experiences surrounding the subject of hope. I'm your host, Josie, and today I'm bringing you in on a conversation I recently had with my good friend, Sandy Solis. Sandy has been through a lot, and our chat turned into a much longer conversation than we had originally planned. Instead of stopping our chat, I decided to keep the recording button active, and we dug even deeper into some topics that I think will bless and challenge you. Since we went longer, though, than our normal podcast, I decided to break this one up into two episodes. So today, you'll hear Sandy share about her broken marriage and about the strength and hope she found along the journey. We'll post the second half of our conversation in two weeks, where Sandy shares about the connection of her life experiences and how they led her to her current position as director of Safe Harbor Free Clinic. All right, I can't wait for you to hear her story, so let's jump right in. Oh, it's, it's so good to be with friends. Sandy, I'm glad to have you sitting here with me. We're having tea, and we're just going to have a conversation. This podcast will be a little different than some of our other ones. Instead of a true interview, I just want to have some time with you, my friend. And the other day, a couple weeks ago, we just were saying hi to each other, and that landed into a 30-minute conversation, which I think usually goal for us. <laughs> it usually happens. It usually happens when we're yes. together. And um, I was just reminded when we were having that time together of what a powerful testimony you have and how uh, watching you through the years and what God's done in your life is, it amazes me. You are one of uh, the examples in my life of a person who has let God lead them and lead them even through some really hard times and then uh, continue on just showing such evidence of abiding in Christ. And I love that you, you have, it, it glows out of you, radiates out of you, and um, you speak so well of our Savior mm. in the midst of what has happened to you. So my friends here need to hear a little of your story. So Sandy, I'm just going to give it over to you and let you for a couple minutes here. Just let us know who you are. Tell us a little of your story. Share about your your family and uh, and maybe even where you are at with your work. Just a little bit. Okay, so my name is Sandy Solis, and I am right now, I am the current executive director at Safe Harbor Free Clinic here in Stanwood. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of my past. I grew up in a home that um, was very intact. I had to uh, have, my mom's still alive, Mm -hmm. Um, I had two amazing parents who loved God, and they brought us up in the church to love God, and Um, It was just, you know, it was a very idyllic childhood that I had, and I'm so, so grateful for that. When I was in my early 20s, I attended a church where my pastor took me under his wing and he discipled me. And, you know, in today's world where you have, you know, liability issues with men meeting with women, it's Mm -hmm. a little bit different. But at that time, it wasn't unusual. And so... Uh, he, we would meet for lunch and he would challenge me and he was, it was amazing. I owe Larry so much of my Christian walk and my, the depth of understanding of scripture and the challenging that I've had in my life to Mm -hmm. him because he's just was such an amazing influence. Um, I did some discipleship things. I did the Navigators 2-7 series and things like that in my early twenties that I believe have prepared me for where I'm at today. Um, those things that God built into me in those early years of my life. 
um, I'm, I, uh, he, one of the things he challenged me to was to make a list of the things I wanted in a husband and then to pray over them. And so I did that and I gave him a copy of the list and I prayed over it. And about seven years later, I met Rick. And um, I remember that after Rick and I got engaged, we had a party in Longview where I was living. And um, Larry was there. And the first thing he said to Rick when he met him was, so you're what God's answer to prayer looks like. Mm -hmm. And I knew that Larry had been praying all of those years as well over that list. Um, and it wasn't just this list that of checkoff list. It was the things that my heart desired in whoever I would marry. So um, I was 30, almost 31 when Rick and I got married. Rick was from Kirkland, and so we moved up to Mill Creek area, and I left all of the people I knew, I left my job, I left my family, and I came up to Kirkland, and it was hard. The first year was really difficult because I missed all of my friends, and I had this new job, new husband, we'd had a long-distance relationship while we dated, and so there was a lot of things I think that I didn't know about Rick, and he didn't know about me, you know, and so <laughs> it was a lot of adjustment. Yeah. So um, then we moved to Camino Island, and um, about a year and a half later, and uh, we were expecting our first child, Austin. Mm -hmm. I have three boys, Austin, who is 30 almost, and he's married and lives in Toronto, Canada with his wife and two children. And you have been able to see them since I COVID, did. right? Yes, I finally got to go in August, and oh my word, I would just, I would have climbed yeah, what, Mount Everest. How long had it been? Like it had been a year and a oh, half, almost. A half. Well, almost two years since I had seen them. Oh my goodness! And I have a grandbaby that was born in um, September. She's just a year old, and I had not seen her. I don't know how people ever survived without video chatting because I just can't right? imagine. Yeah, I, you know, at least I could see her, and I can talk to my grandson, yeah. and you know, so that when I got there to visit, I felt like Kiara kind of at least had seen me before. Mm. And Raleigh just picked right back up with me. So it was great. I'm so um, glad you got to go. Oh, me too. Me too. It was a process to get there, but I'm sure everything's a process right yeah. now with COVID. So yep. yeah. So, and then I have Nathan who is uh, 28 and he lives here on Camino. And then Adam is my youngest. He's 24 and he lives in Everett. So um, anyway, so we moved to Camino. Uh, got involved with Camino Chapel. Um, I did mops. I was in mops for many years, which is how yes. I first met you, That's I think. Right. We did. Because Isaac, your Isaac and my Adam are the good same friends, age and same, very yep. good friends. Yep. And, um, you know, they did soccer together. So mm -hmm. I've, I've known you for a long time. Yep. Our boys were in small group together. Yep, they were in small group. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. George and, and Rick did small group yep. together for them. So, yeah, just lots of history here. Mm -hmm. So um, our children, you know, they've all grown up here at Camino Chapel. Rick and I were doing marriage ministry for a number of years. And um, in 2015, in November of 2015, Rick came to me and said that he wasn't happy, that our marriage wasn't working for him, and he wanted out. And we were supposed to teach Sunday school the next day for marriage ministry. So mm. what do you do with that? Um, it mm. was a very shocking thing. I, I could see that he was struggling, but I had no idea the depth at which he was struggling. Um, you know, oftentimes I think that that's the way it is when someone is is uh, struggling and they just don't want everybody to know. Or they, I think people maybe do want you to know, but they don't know how to say it. Mm -hmm. You know, our pride gets in the way and our yeah. we build narratives in our heads. All of us do it to, yep. to suit whatever we're doing, you yep. know, and I, I don't really know 
Um, Don't you think we're even trying to maybe deceive ourselves? Oh, absolutely. Uh, And try to just pretend like all is well. Oh, yeah. I I have no doubt that I was trying to deceive myself. I was Mm -hmm. easier to do that than it was to talk about it. Sure. You know, because it was too scary to talk about it. I'm a person who, one of the things I've discovered about myself in the years, you know, since this all occurred, is that I... um, I think that I would rather try to be what you want me to be than I would to be who I really am. Oh, that's good. Because I think that it's easier for me, my personality style, um, just everything about me, it's easier for me to try to make myself to be whatever that you is you want me to be than it is for me to figure out who I really am. Authenticity is scary. It is scary. I, I mean, I see that all over all of us. Social media yeah. just magnifies it all. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it, it does. It totally magnifies it. And I think that it, it's just easier to paint yourself sometimes as, as what you want to emulate than the truth of who you really are. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's not like I had anything big, deep, hidden that I didn't want <laughs> revealed, but I just wanted to make him happy. And I wanted to make my kids happy and everybody around me happy and all of that. And I think that it's just the way that I have conducted my life. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is just, I think, my personality type. And mm-hmm. and so I, that's something, obviously, that I've had to face and grow in in the last few years. But um, so Rick had told me on Thanksgiving weekend, actually, in 2015, and he left, uh, moved out at the end of January 2016. So, you know, it was devastating to our kids. Um, Adam had just graduated from high school, and it was, it was devastating to them. Uh, I can't even tell you how devastating divorce is. Um, at that point, Rick had pretty much just said he saw no hope at all. And because I asked him one day, I said, I don't understand that, you know, the things that, that are um, making you feel this way they don't seem that big, not to minimize or diminish what he was feeling, but just the, the, they were not insurmountable things. And I said, I just don't understand. Like, you know, I see all kinds of hope. And he just looked at me and he said, well, that's the difference. I don't see any hope. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, it just sent me on this, this quest to figure out, well, what does hope look like? And, you know, what is it like, how do we how do we walk as a believer and then suddenly not be a believer? Like I just don't understand. You know, his his faith in God was gone. Everything was gone, and I, I don't really understand even to this day why there's just so many mysteries and how God moves and how He works. Um, but Rick did leave uh, the end of that January. It took the full year and a half for him to complete the divorce. Mm-hmm. I fought it as much as I could in a no fault state there's no way you can file you know like he could file and the divorce would go through even if he never did one more thing about it it would still go through so I had really no recourse I tried to not file or not sign I mean the final divorce papers before the you know before they were going to send it to court and my attorney called me and said no you have to sign them you know, otherwise the agreements that we have could stand to none, then not be held up in court. So I had to go back to my attorney's office and sign. I had actually left the attorney's office saying, I can't sign this. I don't agree with this. And she's like, no, you have to go back and sign it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So I felt like I did everything that I could to resist it. But at the end of the day, the divorce did go through and it left me in this place where I'm like, okay, Lord, what's next? 
So, yeah. Yeah, just... I remember those days. I remember praying and crying and I, I specifically remember that week where you were trying to to seek after what's the right thing to do here, mm-hmm. not believing in divorce and wanting to hold on yeah. <laughs> because you still had hope. But if both don't have that hope, yeah, you, yeah. Were, you were facing that. Yeah. Yeah. So speak to that moment because I know we have listeners who have maybe some similar things happening to them in their lives or have had. Uh, speak to those moments. Sometimes we don't take the time to get real with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is a very real, raw thing that you've been through that a lot of people go through. So if we're being really honest, those weeks were probably a little dark for you. Were you lonely? Did you feel abandoned at all? Did, where were you at in your mind? In your well, heart? I think, you know, it had been such a long process. So at the very beginning, when Rick told me that he wanted out, um, I carried all of the guilt for it. I felt, I don't know what Rick feels or what he thought. I felt like I was the guilty one. Like I had messed up our marriage. I had that the, all of the fault of it rested on me. And that was really hard. And it took a few months of counseling for me to get to that place where I could see that, no, that that was not true, but it took me a long time to get there. And I think that, um, you know, I kept hearing God telling me from the very beginning, God gave me visions. And when I was, I remember one night specifically, I was literally on my face on the floor in our bedroom because Rick was still at the house. And um, I was in our bedroom and I was just like crying out to God. I don't understand. And what, you know, what's going on here? I, I just don't, I can't even grasp it in my mind. And God gave me a vision. And it was a vision of, that I won't go into the details of it because that doesn't really matter, but it was a vision that, that, sh- that God related to me that this was spiritual in nature, that this was a spiritual battle that was going on inside of Rick, inside of our marriage, and in our home in general. Yeah. And, and then it was confirmed about a month and a half later by someone who was praying for me, and God spoke to them, and they recounted what God was telling them, and it was almost identical to what God had wow. showed me. And they didn't even know my situation. Mm-hmm. So I just knew that, that God was showing me the truth of what was really going on. And, and not that it removes any blame from me for failures that I've had, that I had in our relationship and our marriage over the years, because I know that there were things that I did and said and the ways that I acted and attitudes I had that impacted you know, the way that Rick was feeling. But ultimately, I believe that that this has been about a spiritual battle more than Mm -hmm. anything else. So um, by the time we got to the actual divorce, it was, um, I tried to ignore it, (laughs) to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was here at Mops the day that it was a Tuesday. And I found out later that day that Rick had gone to court and had finalized the divorce. And it was on the very last day that he could do this before the court would just make the decision themselves. Um, and I thought, well, okay, Lord, at least you had me at, you know, at a place I love with people I love. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that it was happening that morning. And so I felt like I could go about and, you know, what I was doing without having to be completely heartbroken. But I just remember at that time I was in counseling still. I went to counseling for almost two years and that was a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I remember sitting on my counselor's sofa and crying for 45 minutes, and I yeah. paid her money to I'm do sure. that. You, know? <laughs> uh, you needed to. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I think that I guess if I were sitting on the other side of listening and listening to this coming through my radio, I would tell you first and foremost to do every single thing you can to build into your marriage, mm. to avoid getting to this place, because divorce is never a good answer. Only, I, I, let me qualify that actually. It's only a good answer if you're in an abusive situation and yeah. you need out. Yeah. And there is, and if, and if the, the person who is doing the abuse is not open to, you know, to um, God coming in and invading their heart and changing them. But aside from things like that, I think that divorce is never a good option. It's devastating to your kids. It's devastating to your life. It gives you scars that will never heal in your heart. And it brings a brokenness that is just never going to be filled again. It's yeah. always going to be there. Yeah. Even if, as you go through life, you can recover, obviously, and, and you move on. But there's just always this broken place in yeah. your life. It wasn't what God intended. Exactly. Yeah. And we're filled with broken places, Boy, to be aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Boy, one of the things you said just a little bit ago it's it's stuck in me. <laughs> I want to go back to it. You you said something like that uh, you were explaining your personality that you tend toward uh, putting out there what you think the other person you're with wants to see or how you mm -hmm. should be in their eyes. It's just easier that way. But that you uh, during this process now you've just shared, you don't just put all the blame on the other party here. I hear over and over you talking about. You knew that is how your personality is, but you are working on that. You worked mm -hmm. through that. And the, the process that you've just spoken about, that, that you went to counseling for quite a long time, and that the journey and the process still isn't done for you. Mm -hmm. And I know that because we're friends. Um, but I see, not that it would maybe, it's not that it's easier, but I see maturity in it, mm -hmm. in you. I see redemption in it how God has stepped in in spite of the brokenness of the marriage mm -hmm. that he has allowed you uh, restored joy and purpose and uh, even has directed your course of life in different ways um, I think that maybe is partly why you ended up in the job that you've ended up mm -hmm. maybe yeah, so I think that um, that when I look back at the very beginning, um, there were three things that kept repeatedly coming out to me from other people, not because I wanted to hear them, but first of all, they were coming out to me every time I would open my Bible, these, these things would come to me, like no matter what passage of scripture I read, I was encountering these words, and I went to... Um, to this ministry where they pray over you. And people who did not know me would speak these same words to me. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I think I'm getting what you're putting down, <laughs> picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, but yeah. they were, the words were wait, rest, and do not fear. Mm -hmm. And repeatedly I would hear rest and I would hear wait and I would hear don't fear. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what those words mean. And so it just sent me on this journey to seek out what does it mean biblically to wait? And what does it mean to rest? And we all think we know what it means not to fear because I think that, yes, there is truth. 
and the things that we think of as not fearing, but what does it really mean? And I think that those were things that, that in the process of all of the other things I looked at, I, I looked at God's sovereignty. I dug in deep to scripture because I did not understand, and I thought, all right, Lord, you have all these things that you say and all these promises for us, but what do they even mean? And how do I look at this in the face of, of this? How do I look at the fact that I believe that you brought Rick into my life and it was great and it was beautiful, it was a wonderful gift, and yet to have it end this way? Like, I don't understand how that could even be. How could we have done ministry and how could we have been knit together and how could how could he have taught our children from scripture all of these years um, his favorite book of the bible was the book of james and he would talk to them about you know what causes and quarrels and fights among mm-hmm. you it's your mm-hmm. selfish desires and you know um, resist the devil and he will flee from you and i'm thinking how can we teach our kids that and then have have this occur to us And so I had to really wrestle out all of those things. And so one of the things that I found, in fact, I remember I with mops, um, the first day that I was Titus woman, I had them bring one of the sofas from the women's restroom up on the stage, up in, in the Wayland Sanctuary. And I did my talk from that sofa because I talked about rest. Mm-hmm. and what God was calling us to in rest. And as I was searching it out, um, someone who was praying over me one day said, there's a passage in the Song of Solomon that talks about, it's the lover, you know, the, the two lovers talking mm-hmm. to each other, and he says, come away with me to a quiet place and rest. And then you see it again where Jesus tells his disciples to come away with him to a quiet place and rest. And all of a sudden, it like it all cemented in my mind and my heart that God wasn't talking to me about go take a vacation someplace and get some rest, you know, go sleep. Not that that's not important because yep. I would personally love the vacation to go somewhere and get rest. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but ultimately what he was saying is that be with me. I am your rest. Mm-hmm. I am the one you can rest in. Come and sit with me and be with me. And just be in the quiet with me and let me stir your heart and let me speak to your heart. Fix your mind on me. Let me transform your mind through the Holy Spirit's work in your life and, and take all of me in that you possibly can and that's your rest. And at that point, from then on, I knew, okay, I know what rest is. If I don't spend time in the word, I won't have rest. I feel at ill ease. I feel like my mind is whirling and I can't like the day is just not quite right. Absolutely. (laughs) I know. Same way. I know. And in the early days before Rick left and even like when, after he did leave, I literally spent all day with my face in my Bible. Mm -hmm. I could not function without it. And I would start feeling anxious the minute that I would leave my house. I didn't want to go anywhere. I tried to avoid going places. I remember that Christmas, I went out to do Christmas shopping. I was in the middle of Fred Meyer once and I had to leave. I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to go home. Mm-hmm. Home was my safe place. Yeah. And which is kind of funny because Rick was still there, but it still was my safe place. I felt like the world didn't know what was going on as long as I was in my house. And it was just, you know, kind of skewed thinking. Yeah. But well, yeah, and I think probably your your attempt at controlling the little bit you thought you could control. Absolutely, and we, yes. I think we can all relate to that. Like even as you share those the words that that the Holy Spirit was um, giving you, rest, wait, and do not fear. In the midst of the unknown, like when when things just explode and 
didn't see that coming at all. Right. What the heck do I do with that now? I, I think everyone listening understands that more than ever before, just in where we're at in our world mm-hmm. with COVID and the unknowns and the unpredictability. Mm-hmm. There's, you don't know what next week's going to hold. We, and we keep try, striving to make plans based on what we think that we know. But in the bigger spiritual realm of things, I, I think uh, what God really helped you gain a, a bigger understanding of that in the midst of the explosion of, okay, life is not the same anymore, nor will it ever be, and you don't have any control over it, but that you could still find rest and wait on him, and which would let your fear be displaced with mm-hmm. his peace. Yeah. Uh, and we, uh, that's just such a good word for all of us. Like, I, I need that. I need to remember that in the midst of, okay, this is not at all what I was expecting today. <laughs> what the heck? I can't control this. Yeah. I don't like this. That's when fear starts to creep in. Mm-hmm. But that rest, wait, and do not fear. Mm-hmm. And a good couch to take a nap on also is good. Yes. Yes. Well, a funny story about the couch, actually. Yeah, funny tell you us more. That, so. let's, let's tell for the listeners, MOPS is Mothers of Preschoolers. Oh, yes. It was a program. Um, it's a national program. Sandy and I both were involved in it when our kids were little. And Sandy went on to actually be the speaking leader of it for a couple of years. And the, that title is Titus Woman. So that's what she was referring to when she was sharing from the couch. Yes. So tell us more about that. Yes. Well, so, so I did that talk from the couch, but now I have a really great story. So you know, among all of the things that God um, has also to- told me is that he reminds me constantly that he will provide. So I made this list one day of things, and I'm not really a list person, so it's kind of funny that I'm referring to lists two times in this. <laughs> you know, the first of the list I prayed over, and now one that I, uh, more things I was praying over. Making lists can be a very good it, thing. It can be clean, <laughs> cleansing for some yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like a good list. I know. I like to s- cross out the things as they get done. Yeah, yeah. I like an idea of a list, but then the follow through on the list is usually not as good oh, as well, the yeah, idea of that it. Too. So yeah. Um, so no, I had made a list of things that I thought, okay, Lord, here's some things that I, I just really, I need you to provide. I need, I need some income. You know, I haven't worked. I've been raising my kids. I homeschooled my boys. I haven't worked outside the home at a real job for a long time, you know, since before Austin was born. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and here I am now I need a job and what am I qualified for? Probably not a whole lot. Mm. You know, I had a photography business going and God supplied income, you know, from that for a couple of years, that was enough to supplement what I was still getting from Rick. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I did have that, but Anyway, so I made this list, and on the list, I thought, I really want a different sofa. My sofa's old, and, you know, it was a smaller size one, and I just, I didn't, I just wanted a new sofa, so I put it on the list. Okay, so I was over at some friend's garage sale, and they had this sofa sitting outside that they had pulled out of their house and brought over to sell at the garage sale, and I'm like, this is a really comfy sofa. How much do you guys want for it? And I don't remember. It's like $50 or something, and they... um, they said, we'll just give it to you. And I'm like, no, 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 I can pay for it. And they said, no, no, we just want you to have it. And I said, well, I don't have any way to get it to my house. Well, their son just happened to have his work truck. Of course. And so they called him. (laughs) He and his buddy came over. They grabbed the sofa. They took it to my house, got it in my living room, grabbed the old sofa out, took it back with them to put in their garage sale in place of it. Oh my! And as I'm sitting in my living room on this sofa, 
And it just happened super quick. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. I think I remember praying for this. And I grabbed my, my quiet time journal. I looked inside of it. And sure enough, here was the list of That's things, so awesome. you know, that I had prayed for. And here's like the, the sofa. And I'm, I checked it off the list. And I thought, wow, Lord, like the things on here are so, so many of them are so big, but you chose to show me your kindness and your love by giving me something that's insignificant. And if you're going to give me that, how much more will you supply for the things that really are significant, like a job that I need? Yeah. It was just incredible. That's that's perfectly said. I was thinking of that passage that when he, he closed the lilies of the field, he gives the birds Mm -hmm. their, their daily food. How much more does the father who loves us want to give us? Absolutely. Yes. And, and, and not only that, what that fed your soul, that reminder. Yeah. He wants to give you nice things too, but, and of course he can, but on a deeper level, he will take care of you. Yes, he will take exactly. care of you. Yes. I, you yeah. know, I, I just, I know that there have been so many people that have stepped into my life in ways that were just incredible, that spoke into my heart and reminded me of God's promises. And there's a, a verse in um, Psalm 116, and it starts out with saying, you know, I love the Lord because he, um, I can't remember the exact first verse, but the second one says, um, he bends down to listen and hears my prayers. And I have this picture of kind of a Norman Rockwell paint, you know, painting yeah. of a, the old man bending down to hear the child speak. And I feel like, like God is such a personal God that he would stop everything in the universe to bend down and to listen to me that I wanted a sofa, (laughs) you know, out of, out of all the things in the world that God has created and all the power that he has to do any mighty work he chooses to do that he would give me a sofa. You know? oh, I and so I, I took a picture of the prayer that I had, you know, the, the, rec- the list that I had, and I sent it to my friends and I said, God used you to give me hope and to give me a promise that he hears me and that he will answer in his time and in his way. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Well, that, that's perfect segue. <laughs> Thank you, Sandy. Did you plan that? That was just... Not at all, no. So, so my question that I ask all our guests is, um, what does hope mean to you? And we talked a little about this before we started recording, that that's like asking for this mammoth, giant question to be reduced down to a sentence or two. Good luck. But I'm going to ask it of you anyway. What does hope mean to you? Well, I don't have a sentence or two, so. That's okay. You go so for have, it. You'll have to cut the time on this no, one. No, we want to hear it. Oh, well, I was thinking that... Um, Hope is one of those things that several years ago, actually, you know, backing up just a tad, there were some things in my quiet time that I had been asking God about, like, I just didn't understand, like, what is grace? I don't understand what grace is. I grew up as a Christian, so to speak, even though that's not really possible to grow up as a Christian, but, or to grow up in being a Christian, but I accepted Christ when I was seven. And so, and I, and God has just always kept me for whatever reason God has chosen. He has kept me in my faith. I've never felt the need to walk from my faith. Not that I've been stellar at it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I was, I was thinking like, I don't really understand grace. And one day, um, before Rick left, he had, um, we had talked and he had pulled out his phone and on his phone, he had a list of things of reasons why he was leaving. And to me, it came across as a list of all the things I had done wrong that I had failed at in our marriage. And Mm -hmm. that's why he was leaving. And I remember 
I went up to our bedroom and I grabbed out my notebook and I thought, well, if he has a list, I can write a list too. Mm. So I sat down and I, I took my pen in my hand and I started to write and I didn't even get the first, I didn't even, I don't think I even got hardly a word or two out onto the page. And I kept hearing this still small voice of the Holy Spirit saying, um, that love keeps no record of wrong. Mm. And I sat there staring at the page and I so badly wanted to write all the things on that page that I felt like Rick had maybe done wrong over the years. And I kept hearing it and I took my pen and I wrote, love keeps no record of wrong. And I put the pen in the book and I closed the book and I never went back to that page. And I felt like at that moment that God had shown me what grace is, that grace overlooks the sin that I have in my life. (sighs) That grace loves me in spite of my wrongs, and that love and grace are inseparable. That if you can give yeah. grace to someone that, that, that has wronged you, then that, then that means you really love that person. And you may not feel love, because love is a, you know, feeling is a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being in love is a whole different thing from being committed to love, to showing love, to, to walking in love. And it's not easy, but that's where grace comes in. And so I felt like God just really, through this process, has shown me what grace really is. It's loving someone and keeping no record of their wrong. Yeah. And you, I have to say, uh, you have done that so beautifully. It, even today, when you talk about Rick, um, even off air, because we've had a lot of conversations, yeah. um, you don't ever talk bad about him. You don't talk about, you're not keeping a record of the wrongs. And in fact, I've often been stunned by how much love you show him. Uh, and it's been an example to me of, of true grace, like that, that you could have from, from his perspective, ir- irreconcilable differences from his perspective, like we mm-hmm. talked about before, right. yeah. in his mind there was no hope. Yes. It was done and over, and right. he chose to step away. He yeah. chose to walk away from the marriage and and even, I think, in some ways, his faith is sounding like. Yeah. That's between him and God to know right. that. But I think in, if more of us could adopt that attitude toward the people that hurt us, um that's what God wants. That's what God intends that keep no record of wrong. If you truly love one another and that's what we're called to do, we're even supposed to love our enemies and even supposed to love a husband that walks out on us. Yeah. And not, that's not, I'm not trying to trivialize it or make it sound easy because I know this has not been easy for you. Mm -hmm. And I know there's deep hurt and, um, but thank you. Thank you for doing that for your kids. Mm -hmm. Thank you for doing it for Rick uh, um, because God loves Rick and Absolutely. God has a desire for, for redemption to happen mm-hmm. in all of our lives. We all mess up. We all, we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I know there's been many prayers for Rick as well. Yeah. For, in, in this process, you, your friends here, we were praying for both mm-hmm. and continue to. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say that there is not a day that goes by, probably not really a moment of any day that goes by where my heart at some level is not seeking God on behalf of my family. I hate the brokenness that this has brought. Yeah. I don't hate the the person who delivered the brokenness, you know, because I understand that we are all lost and we are all broken in so many ways and that that there is not one of us who could honestly look 
God in the face and say that I'm without fault. Yep. And so I get that, but I hate the brokenness that this yeah. has caused that comes straight from the pit of hell. Yep. From my estimation, yeah. that's where, yep. that's where this comes from. So, you know, but, but the other thing that I had been asking God for to, to help me understand was hope. Like, what does it yeah. mean to hope? Yep. And, and I remember that, um, Cassie, who used to do the, yes, you know, the podcast, yes. she was trying to get me to come on and I'm like, I don't really know how to define hope. You know, I, yeah. I don't have an answer because to me, hope is kind of succinct in scripture. Hope is our hope is in God mm-hmm. alone. And so like, what does that mean? So I think it's like the, how you live out that hope that really is what we're trying to find yeah. out, you know, because hope itself is defined as, as our hope is in God alone. You know, you look throughout scripture and that's what it says is you can hope on, you know, chariots and horses and whatever, but I'm going to trust and hope in the Lord. And that is exactly where it needs to be. But how do you walk that out? And that's a hard one. Um, I think that for me to not make it a big theological answer, but it sort of is, is that I look at um, my script, my hope it, in light of scripture as that it's, it's in the triune God. It's in God, the father who is our creator, who loves me and created me in his image. And yes, because of sin, we have, we are broken. We don't have, we don't reflect his image like we should. We don't have his character traits like we should. Um, And that's where Jesus comes in, in that Jesus is the answer to that. He is the sacrifice. Like man could not give enough sacrifices to really atone for our sins. God accepted them, but they weren't really enough um, you know, the, the blood of an animal is not the same as an atonement for our sins, but yet God did allow that, you know, but then he, by laying that on Jesus who came in human form and the idea that Jesus is my brother, that I can call him my brother in the, in the most, like, not just, Hey bro, you know, like, I think we have to be respectful of who God is and that Jesus is part of the triune of God. Yeah. But the intimacy that comes in in a, a brother sister relationship. Yes. That's a beautiful picture. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's a friend that he's closer than a brother. Like, you know, yeah. that friend who will never leave you, never forsake you. Yeah. You know, he's with us always. Like, that's out of our realm of even understanding and thinking, yeah. I think. Because even our earthly siblings can fail us, Ab- right? Oh, there can be broken. We, we all know brothers and sisters who aren't speaking to each yeah. other. But that will never happen with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Steve and Cheryl, you guys are a great brother and sister. <laughs> you should listen to this. Oh, good. Little like, shout out. Have to, yeah, I have to cover that one. Yeah, that's good. Anyways, um, but and then the Holy Spirit. And I think that I used to think I was a great Holy Spirit. You know, I could tell my kids, like, what I thought they should be doing. And I'm sure that more than one time I told Rick, you know, oh, I think you should do this or that or, you know, I I know that I said things or did things that that shamed him or Mm. shamed my boys over the years, thinking that I was being this really great Holy Spirit and helping them all somehow walk in a better way with God until God showed me that, yeah, you're not really so good at what you do, so would you stop? Yeah, you're (laughs) not the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yeah, you're not not so (laughs) good at this. (laughs) So... um, Hmm, that's so, good. you know, but, but it's the Holy Spirit who brings about the change. He transforms us. He's the one who prepares our hearts for the call that God has on us. Yeah. You know, that it's God who chooses, God who calls. It's, it's not me who somehow chose God. Because if I had my way, I probably would never choose God. Mm-hmm. Because I like my way, quite honestly, as long as I'm happy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when things go wrong, then I want to blame God. But I don't want to choose him, per se, to submit to him. Yeah. And I think that that's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And um, the Holy Spirit's job is to change and to transform and to draw us to God, to give us a desire in our heart for it. (laughs) And so honestly, it's been revolutionary in the way that I look at hope. Because if before all of this occurred, I would probably have said, well, I'm going to pray for Rick, but, you know, he has a free will and he can do whatever he wants. And so, you know, it's like somehow God is limited in his sovereignty and his ability to turn a heart. Mm -hmm. But then I see scripture and it says that he turns the king's heart like a river. And there's there's just thousands of references to, well, maybe not thousands. Okay. Maybe hundreds, but yeah, you know, there's, there's lots a lot. of references. Yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> you know, references to how God changes hearts. And yes, I do believe man has a will, but ultimately why would I pray and ask for something that God was impotent at being able to do because he's omnipotent. He has all power. And so it has changed my hope. Now I feel like I pray with so much more confidence than I used to. Do I get discouraged? Absolutely. I was not too long ago. I was at something and I was, I was just feeling like, Lord, I'm tired of praying. I'm not seeing any movement. I'm tired of praying. And that same morning I was at it. It was actually at a, uh, like a, uh, worship time. Yeah. And, um, someone came up to me after and they said, and they had, they didn't even talk to me. So they had no idea where I was at. And they said, you know, God just spoke to me when you came in the door and he wants you to be reminded that he's the God of the impossible. And he said, I don't know uh. what you're walking through right now, but <laughs> he's the God of the impossible. And I'm just like, I'm like in tears and I'm like, uh, yeah, well, thank you. That's what I needed to hear. Right. Yeah, you don't need to know what I'm walking through. But uh, I just felt I walked out of there going, okay, I have hope again. Because I needed that reminder straight from scripture that God is the God of the impossible. That what I look at today and I'm praying for, and I don't know what God's going to do. I have no idea what God's going to do. But what I can say is that I know that my God is the God of the impossible and that whatever he does is for his glory and for my good. And it's not up to me, even though I want to be fearful of this and worry about it. And I, you know, I've gone through all kinds of fear of my future of, you know, this isn't what I thought my life would be. Um, It's all of these things. But at the bottom line of it is I have a God who I can trust and it might not look the way I thought it was going to look, but my hope still rests in him because his promises are true and I have to preach it to myself every single day. Because if I don't preach it to myself, I will get lost in the fear and the, the loss of hope and the worry and the everything else that goes along with it. Yeah. So I, I just have to continually preach, um, the, the truth of the word to myself so that I believe it. Yeah. Well, you preach it to yourself and you just preached it to us too. (laughs) Amen, sister. I love (laughs) it. That was so powerful and such a good reminder. God is the God of the impossible. And I mean, that just beautifully describes hope for the follower of Christ. So thank you, Sandy, so much for being with us. Thanks for being transparent, being willing to share just some of the the gritty parts of life. And uh, I just appreciate that so much. I love when we can put real stories of what we're all really truly going through in front of each other, because I think that also brings us hope that we know we're not alone and, and we can celebrate what God's doing in your life. And And that can be also examples to us about what God could do in our own life. So thanks again for being with me. Thank you for having me. Yep. God bless you, Sandy. Thank you. Oh, man, I told you this was a good conversation. Sandy has an amazing story. And just like the rest of us, her story isn't finished. Are you going through some hard things? Do you feel like parts of your life are out of control? 
You're not alone. And I pray you are encouraged today by Sandy's story. As Sandy said, things might not look like we thought they would look, but our hope lies in Jesus and not in our circumstances. He has always been faithful, and he always will be. As always, spread the word, invite your friends into this podcast, and share this episode. And we'll see you back here in two weeks for the second half of my conversation with Sandy.